Welcome to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. In chapter 55 of Isaiah, verse 11, God tells the prophet, So will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Standing on this promise, T.D. Stubblefield Ministries is committed to sharing biblical principles with individuals, families, churches, communities, and our world, believing that only the Word of God can advance us in God's perfect plan for our lives, where we can experience liberating faith, lasting hope, and unconditional love in a relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Dr. T.D. Stubblefield with today's Advancing Word. Gospel according to Mark, chapter 11, verses 20 through 26. It reads, And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remember, saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou curses is withered away. And Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God. But verily I said to you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I said to you, what things soever you desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive, if ye have ought against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. Amen. I want to preach a little while this morning from this text. And I want to lift the thought how to talk to a mountain. How to talk to a mountain. This particular passage, as it is chronicled in the Gospel of Mark, occurs at the apex, the zenith of Jesus' earthly ministry. The primary focus at this stage of his ministry is preparing his disciples for his passion, for his death, for his burial and his resurrection and ascension to glory. On the backs of these disciples would he place the burden of turning a world upside down. And so they have begun to move into the advanced stages of their preparation and development. The lessons to be learned are more difficult, they are more taxing, they are more trying. We know this is a significant passage because it occurs with some variation in all of the synoptic gospels. So when you have this type of repetitiveness, when you have this type of redundancy, when you have this type of recurrence resonating in a text, it implies that the Holy Spirit is teaching us something significant, something primary in the passage, not only for the immediate audience, but for those who will be blessed by the teachings, blessed by the word that is shared. And so this occurrence, repetition, is significant in the passage. I want to walk through in the text four points that I believe this text lays out. In this text, first of all, the first movement in the text 
reminds us of the reality of the mountain, mountain reality. Certainly on one level, we can say that the presence of mountains on our planet, the presence of mountains in our geosphere reminds us very fundamentally and primarily that life is not always level, that life is not always smooth. Uh, some people would have it that way, others would try to make it that way, but the truth of the matter is life sometimes gives us rugged terrain through which to travel. And because the heavens declare the glory of God, mountains remind us that part of the glory of God as it has been revealed in our human context and predicament is that life is not always smooth ground. There are some hills that we have to climb. Just as there are some rivers that we have to cross, just as there are some valleys we have to go through. And so there are realities that mountains remind us of. The prosperity gospel preachers who focuses more on faith, faith in faith rather than faith in God would have you believe that if you have a mountain, it's because you don't believe enough, because you don't have enough faith. But you can have all the faith in the world. You can be doing everything you're supposed to do and run into a hill, run into your own Everest. Somebody might have come here this morning trying to give the perception that all is smooth, all is level in your life, but you are dealing with a mountainous situation. And this text reminds us of a mountain reality. How does it come at us in this text? Three, three ways the text, I believe, explicitly and implicitly reminds us that there are mountains in life. One is Sometimes the mountains that we face in life has to do with the incoherence and the implausibility and the inconsistency that is just a part of our relationship with God. God does things in our lives that he does not always choose to explain because he's God. He does not have to give us an answer. We have to understand, we have the benefit of divine inspiration and revelation. We know what Job went through, and we know why he went through what he went through. But Job never understood. Job was never told why he had to suffer. In fact, at the end of the book, God asks Job question after question. He interrogates him finally to the point that Job surrenders and says, Yes, God, don't ask me any more questions. I understand clearly now there's a whole lot of things in life I don't know about that you've not chosen to explain. Somebody's dealing with implausibility. Somebody's dealing with what James Dobson says in his very popular book, what do you do when God doesn't make sense? Because there are times when we are trying to connect the dots and the dots don't always connect. You don't know why that person walked out of your life. You don't know why you lost that job after doing the very best you could. You don't know why you found that spot in that place at that time. It would help you if there was something explicable about it. It would help you if there was something you could explain about it. And understand, but no answer. And sometimes when the questions linger, sometimes when the doubt shrouds us, it can become a mountain. Implausibility. 
Where is it in the text? Well, Jesus cursed the fig tree. Yeah. Disciples thought, well, we got him figured out right now. We know what he does in a storm. We know what he does with sick folk. But here he curses a fig tree at a time when the fig leaves weren't even supposed to be in season. The fig tree wasn't even supposed to have leaves on it. And he cursed the tree for his lack of leaves. He never explained to them why. He never tried to clarify. It just sent questions buzzing in their mind. And how many times have questions buzzed in our minds? Why this? Why here? Why now? Why me? And no answer comes. Implausibility. Sometimes Christians, we get into a whole lot of trouble trying to explain what God is doing. We come off coy, callous, crude, and cruel. We have to be careful of trying to explain what God has done. He has provocation. He has reason this morning to take all of us out. Because he's not dealt with us according to our sin or according to our transgression. This is the problem that Job's companions had. They tried to explain his suffering. When all they really needed to do was sit there and be still. Because sometimes when people are dealing with implausibility, facing their mountains, there's nothing you can say. You can only be quiet as they go through their suffering. So the mountain of implausibility. And then there's the mountain in this text of the disconnect and the discontinuity between our development and our destiny. Lost opportunities, sometimes mistakes in the past, sometimes things that we're challenged by, sometimes the what-ifs become so voluminous in our lives, so dense, they become mountains. Even though we struggle with what Jesus did and why he did, the fig tree symbolizes Israel's unproductiveness. Israel had fallen far short of what God had intended for them to be. So often God has a destiny for us. He has a plan and purpose for us, but we have a tendency to take detours to our destiny. A lot of us here this morning would love to go back and change some things. We'd like to go back, we'd like to go back and change some things we said, some things we did. Truth of the matter is we cannot pick up spilled milk. And if we don't handle the past right, it will keep us from getting a blessing right now. God want to put something in your hand right now, but you're holding on to a mountain of failure. You're holding on to a mountain of disappointment, and he can't bless you where you are. Israel had detoured from her destiny. John said it this way. He came unto his own. What a detour. And his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to be called the children of God. Sometimes our failures, sometimes our past, the haunting, hobbling, serenic sound of the past can become a mountain that will keep us from enjoying what we have right now. And for Israel, they had detoured from their destiny, but prophetically, God still has a plan and a purpose for Israel. There are prophecies in the word of God that will still be fulfilled. When the church is taken up, when the church is raptured, God's going to start working on Israel. The word of God says that there will be 12,000 sealed from every tribe. And then there will be a great number that nobody can number who come up through hard trials. 
and tribulations of destiny will not be ultimately deferred, but it has been detoured and is signaled in the text. It can become a mountain. This disconnect between our destiny and our detour, but there's another mountain implicitly, explicitly stated in the text, and that's the mountain that can become relationships. Isn't it interesting that a text that begins with speaking to a mountain ends with forgiving your brother? So if you really want to talk to a mountain, you got to be able to forgive one another because if you don't, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you. Relationships can become mountains because there's no perfect marriages. There are no perfect pastor-people relationships. There's no perfect friendships. And if there's not some pardon, if there's not some forgiveness in a relationship, it can become a mountain. You can't see what you have for dwelling on what you don't have. Because relationships can become mountains that keep us from enjoying what the Lord has for our lives. There's also mountain rhetoric. There's mountain rhetoric because this text suggests that we can talk to our mountains. Now, when Jesus makes this statement, if you say to yonder mountain be moved, he's using hyperbole. He's using exaggerated language to emphasize a point, but... The spiritual application is real. Because when you're faced with a mountain, there are two possibilities. You can talk to your mountain or your mountain going to talk to you. Some of us are traumatized. Some of us have been stigmatized because we're letting our mountains talk to us. And every time a mountain talks to us, it's the language of discouragement. It's the language of disillusionment. It's the language of depression. Don't let your mountain talk to you. When you are faced with a challenge, realize that you are God's child. And you are not just a conqueror, you are more than a conqueror. The fact that the Lord speaks to the disciples and says, if you have faith, you can say to yonder mountain. Mountain be moved. Recognize the fact that you can talk to the mountain, but reciprocal is that the mountain can talk to you. So I'm asking you this morning, who's doing the talking? Who's doing the talk? You're faced with a struggle. You're faced with a trial. Who's doing the talking? But when you talk to the mountain, when you talk to the mountain, you can't use Greek. You can't use Hebrew, French, or Spanish. When you talk to the mountain, you can't use the language of macroeconomics. When you talk to the mountain, you can't use linguistics. When you talk to the mountain, you got to know mountain talk. I wish I had a witness here. You got to know mountain talk. The mountain won't respect just any kind of language. He won't respect the language of academia. No, no. You got to have mountain talk. Let me give you a little mountain talk. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Shall mount up on wings as eagles. Run and not be weary. Walk and not be tired. Oh, I've learned how to talk to a mountain. Let me tell you some of my mountain talk. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not walk. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I know some mountain talk. I can do all things through Christ that strengthened me. Who's doing the talking this morning? Who's doing the talking this morning? 
Is your mountain talking to you? Or are you talking to your mountain? You can say mountain be moved, but you got to use the right language. Jesus said, have faith in God. And if you have faith, the grain of a mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, mountain be moved. And the mountain shall be moved into the uttermost parts of the sea. Thank God for mountain talk. The Lord is my light and my salvation. This is what I want my mountain to know today. In the time of trouble, in the time of trouble, he shall hide me. I think you got the point. You got to talk mountain talk. Until you get in Bible study, until you get in Sunday school, just use what you have. If all you can remember is that old hymn, child out on the mountain, say amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Mountain reality, mountain rhetoric. Well, let's talk about mountain removal. Mountain removal. This text admits the possibility that amidst impossibility, amidst dysfunction in relationships, amidst detours between destiny and development, you can speak to a mountain. And if you talk the right language, the mountain can be moved. Can you say that with me? The mountain can be moved. Yes, it can. He said, if you say to the mountain, be removed. And you said, with faith, the grain of a mustard seed. And I'm glad he put that in. Because sometimes, I don't have great faith. I don't have a bucket load. I don't have a semi-truck full. But I'm so glad, if you just have a little bit, I'm so glad, if you have faith, the grain of a mustard seed. Do we have a witness here? Don't need a whole lot. Because it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with God. See, the plug on an appliance is the smallest part of the appliance. But when you plug it into the socket and you connect with God's power, I do have a witness here. Let me tell you about mountain removal. You facing a mountain, you got some choices. You can go around it. You can go under it. You can go over it. But there's another choice. You can tunnel through the mountain. And when we go to North Carolina, I know when we're going up through the Smokies, there's two mountains there. But what they did, they couldn't go around it. They couldn't go over it. They couldn't go under it. But when you're driving down 40 on your way to Asheville, North Carolina, there's two mountains that have tunnels through it. And every time I go through those tunnels, Think about how God has made a way for me out of no way and the mountain is still there but what it did was allow me to follow through the mountain and when I'm going through whatever I'm going through he's holding it up I think about all that rock over my head but the rock of salvation the rock of Jesus is holding me up shall receive it. Here's a point. 
some of us get happy when our prayers are answered. But that's not how you get rid of a mountain. What Jesus says in this text is that when you pray, believe you're going to receive it. And then you'll be able to say to your mountain, mountain be moved. And it'll be moved into the uttermost parts of the sea. Well, what is he talking about? When you pray, if you're facing a mountain, a physical illness, don't wait till the doctor say you well. Why don't you start claiming health right now? Even before you go to your doctor's office, say thank you, Jesus, for healing my body. If you're facing a financial storm, don't wait till the money's in the bank because you know the cattle on a thousand hills are here because you know.
against all the speech, all the odor. They would tear classes right there in the den. But not too far from that spot was a pile of rocks. And I asked the tour guide, what was the rocks for? He said, when apartheid was over and Mandela became president, there was a possibility of civil war. Zulus against Africans and Indians. But Mandela went back to Robin Island. And that day, as they reminisce over all the atrocities that had happened in that place, lives that had been lost, Mandela picked up a rock and he said, I can do one of two things. I can either throw the rock at my enemy or I can put it down as a monument that there's something bigger than hatred. There's something bigger than racism. So Mandela put his rock down and then one by one, the other political prisoners who had nothing but bad memories about Robin Island, each of them picked up a rock and put it down. And now there's hundreds of rocks that could have been thrown, but they've been put down. But what am I saying? The same God that inspired the beauty of Kate Goodhope is the same God that put in our hearts to have a forgiving spirit. Because on another mountain, there was a mountain redemption. He took an old rugged cross. I'm almost through. You know why I can sing today? He took an old rugged cross. Didn't have to do it. Put it on his shoulder and went up to a mountain called Calvary. Y'all know the story. He died. Yes, he did. Stretched him wide. Dropped him low. Hung him high. But that's not the last word. Early, early Sunday morning, he got up because he got up. I can say to my mountain, mountain be moved because he got up. You can say to your mountain, mountain be moved. Is he able? Is he able? Is he able? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. He's able. He's able. He's able. He's able. I know he's able. I know if I'm going to be able to preach this morning. But it gave me strength. Even when I was doing emphasis, out of nowhere, my voice began to crack. But in my office, I prayed, Lord, let me preach. Let me preach this morning. Somebody need to hear. You can talk to your mountain. You can talk to your storm. You can talk to your trial. You have been listening to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. We pray that you have been encouraged with what your ears have heard and your hearts have felt. Explore our website at tdstubblefield.org for more information about us and to obtain resources provided by T.D. Stubblefield Ministries. Until next time, be blessed and remember to stop stressing and start stepping, advancing in faith, hope, and love by reading and applying the Word of God so you can stand on certain truth for uncertain times.